you have your Bibles tonight, you need to be turning to the seventh chapter of Hebrews. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 10 tonight as we continue our journey through the book of Hebrews. Uh, we've now come to a, uh, the next three chapters, chapters 7 through 10. Uh, we're going to see that uh, he has already introduced to this to some effect about uh, the greatness of of the Lord, but now he kind of camps out on that. And in chapter number seven, we see uh, that the writer of Hebrews reminds us that Jesus is the greater priesthood. Amen. He's the greater priesthood. Uh, we all are familiar with uh, this name, Melchizedek. Now, when you think about Melchizedek, we understand that most people that have prominence in Scripture, uh, you will see them mentioned uh, a number of times. Moses, we see him, he's mentioned quite often in Scripture. We also see Abraham. Abraham is uh, mentioned quite often in Scripture. We look at uh, all those uh, like Joseph, and we could go on and on and on. Peter, James, and John. And uh, we see that they're mentioned quite often. But here we come to this passage where a man by the name of Melchizedek is mentioned. And it's very interesting that he's just mentioned two other places. We see he's mentioned in Genesis chapter 14. And we also see that he's mentioned in Psalms, the 110th Psalm, verse number 4. And then, of course, he's mentioned here in the book of Hebrews. But we need to be very careful that just because Melchizedek is not mentioned that many times, he's still very prominent. He still has a purpose, if you will. When you go back and study the Old Testament, we've said this a number of times. But when you study the Old Testament, you see the shadows. You go through the Scripture and you'll see the, uh, where it's making reference to the Lord Jesus. And here Melchizedek is a, uh, a symbol, if you will, or a type, of you, uh, if you want to call it that, of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he, the writer uses Melchizedek. And there's three things that we're going to see in these verses tonight. First of all, we're going to see the person. We're going to see a principle. And then we're going to see a problem. Now, when we talk about the problem, it's not a problem for us. But it was a problem for those... Uh, in the, uh, who re, would go back to the Old Testament. And we'll, we'll show you that in just a moment. So you have your Bibles open. We're in chapter number one. Listen to what it says. It says, For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God. Now, the phrase Most High God is very important. We're going to look at that in just a moment. So here he introduces Melchizedek, and right off we see there's something different. Uh, they make mention that he was a king, and then he makes mention that he was a priest. If you know anything about the Old Testament, a king could not be a priest. Right? Remember we've talked about that? 
But here, Melchizedek, he was both. But he goes on, he said he was of the Most High God who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him. And to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all the of all and talking about all the, the the spoils that he got from this victory that he had won he gave a tenth to Melchizedek now before we go any further with this we need to understand uh, and our pastor alluded to it this morning about tithing uh, that we understand it did not start with Moses it started with Abraham now, when you look at how Abraham went about, Abraham did not have a command to do this. Now, we're, we're going to go ahead and, and, and see the principle here. When it came to Moses, Moses, it was a commandment. But with Abraham, it was purely not out of a sense of duty or, or, or being obedient to command. What Abraham, when Abraham gave, he gave because of his respect for Melchizedek. Now, I understand that it is a commandment for us uh, to tithe. But I want you to know, if that's the only reason why you're tithing, just because out of a sense of duty, you're giving for the wrong reason. Our tithe should be given because we are thankful and we're wanting to just show our appreciation to what God has given us. God has given us much. And so he says, Abraham gave a tenth of all, first being by interpretation king of righteousness and after that also king of Salem, which is king of peace. He says, without father, without mother, without descent. Now that word descent can translate into genealogy, which is very important, especially when it alludes to the priesthood. He says, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like unto the Son of God, abiding uh, abideth a priest continually. Verse number four. Now consider how great this man was, unto whom even the patriarch Abraham gave the tenth. Of the, of the spoils, and oh, verily they that are of the sons of Levi who received the, of the, the office uh, of the priesthood have a commandment to take tithe of the pe- to take the tithes of the people according to the law that is of their brethren though though they they come out of the loins of Abraham now that's where we start to look in we've looked at, we're going to see a person then we, we've already seen a principle we're talking about the tithe but now here's the, here's the problem. How can this be? How can you get something? Uh, how can you be blessed even before you were born? We're going to look at that in just a moment. In verse number 6, he says, 
But he whose descent is not counted from them received tithes of Abraham and blessed him that had the promise. And I'm going to tell you, when God makes a promise, his promise always comes to reality. Some of you have been looking for a promise from God. We all have had this promise, and we, we see there's a number of promises in the Bible. But here's the promise that He's given us. He says that if we would trust Him, that if we repent of our sins, confess our sins, and by faith accept what He has done for us, He's promised us that we would have abundant life as well as eternal life. That's a promise you can stand on. By the way, that's a promise that will keep you going when things get difficult down here. No matter how bad things are in your life, when you look around, it seems like your whole world has caved in. You have this promise. And another promise is the Lord says He will not leave nor forsake us. I don't know about you, but that's a pretty good promise to stand on. Verse number 7, he says, And without all contradiction, the less, the less is blessed of the better. Amen. See, that talks about us, does it not? We, 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 we have absolutely nothing unless the Lord Jesus Christ has given us. Uh, we, we, are, we have nothing to boast about. We all come by the same way, the cross. And we all come by the same way of grace. And we are the less, but He's blessed us. And He didn't have to bless us, but He chooses to bless us. I don't know, that's the reason why we call it amazing grace. How sweet the sound. In verse number 8, he says, And here, men that die receive tithes, but they, uh, they that receive them, of whom it is witness that he... Uh, that, 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 uh, well, I, went, I skipped right there. That he, that he liveth. I'm getting ahead of myself. And as I may say so, Levi also who receiveth tithes Pay tithes in Abraham. But he was yet in the loins of his father when Melchizedek met him. Now, by God's grace, for just a few moments, we're going to look at why we can say that the, there is a better priesthood and that's the priesthood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Three things. We're going to see a person. We're going to see a principle. And we're going to see a problem. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the wording of your word, Lord. I pray that you'd help me. Lord, I need your help tonight. And I understand I, the only reason I'm here is because of your grace. And Lord, I want to be an instrument that you can use tonight. And I pray tonight that as we uh, preach that I will preach uh, in your power and in your strength. Lord, your word is powerful. 
And Lord, even though this might be something we maybe have looked at and kind of overshadowed, help us to understand the significance of this man, Melchizedek. But Lord, more important than that is, help us to see the greatness of you. And I pray for that one here tonight that has not received you as Lord and Savior. I pray that they'll get saved tonight. Lord, for those of us who have been saved and we're securing our salvation, maybe tonight this message is a lesson that just will encourage us and help us to be reminded of what we have in the Lord Jesus. Have your way with us this evening. We give you all praise and glory for what you've done and for what you're going to do. It's in the mighty name of Jesus we pray. Amen. The first thing that we see in verses 1 and 2, I find it interesting uh, that uh, he is referred to, talking about Melchizedek, he's referred to as king of righteousness and king of peace. The scripture says, and uses that word Salem. Uh, Salem, when it is uh, translated into the Hebrew, that's where we get the word Shalom, which means peace. Now, Melchizedek, as I made mention, is a, a, a forerunner, uh, maybe is a better term there. We see the significance of Melchizedek, that he has some of the characteristics of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Now, here, the writer of Hebrews is trying to drive the point home. Jesus is greater. Jesus is greater. He's already talked about he's greater than the angels because there were some who were uh, worshiping angels. Angels had a very high regard back in this time here. And he says he's better than the angels. He touched a little bit about the priesthood. And he says, uh, even though the priests were very prominent then, uh, it was a very important to all office that they held, Jesus is just better. But then he makes mention of uh, the Melchizedek. And the reason why Melchizedek is made mention of because of some of the characteristics. He's called king of righteousness and he's also called king of peace. Now in Psalms 85, I believe it's verse number 10, it says righteousness has kissed peace. When I started thinking about that, I couldn't help but think about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. See, He is King of kings and Lord of lords. And He is the King of righteousness. He is the King of peace. And the Scripture tells us there in Psalms, which is a psalm that's pointing to Jesus, because only Jesus could pull this one off. And that is when righteousness met peace... And they came together, they came together at Calvary. He's the king of righteousness. Very simply made, Jesus is the only one that can make you right. And when you're right with the Lord Jesus Christ, you have peace. And and He is the Prince of Peace. He is the King of Righteousness. Melchizedek gives us a picture, if you will, but Melchizedek didn't die for our sins. He didn't shed His blood for the remission of your sin. Only the Lord Jesus Christ could do that. And so we see Melchizedek, even though he was referred to as King of Righteousness and King of Peace, there's only one who rightfully owns that title. And that's King Jesus. And so we see here that uh, he goes on and now he refers to 
uh, a number of other things. First of all, he talks about uh, Salem. and uh, We've already made mention of Salem, talking about peace here. But also notice something else about Melchizedek. The Bible says and, uh, that he gave, Abraham gave tithes to him. Now, I've already made mention of that. Abraham had just won a battle, and he took the spoils, and he gave them to Melchizedek. And then we also see later on in the scriptures that we read is that Melchizedek turns around and blesses Abraham. See, isn't it the way our Lord works? See, when you, when you're doing the right motive, when you're just showing your love and your respect for the Lord Jesus and you just want to bring glory to His name that we heard about this morning, when you bring glory to His name, God will honor that and He will bless you. Now, you don't give your tithes just so you can uh, get something out of it. We've already heard about that. That's the wrong motivation. And so we go on and, and see something else about him is that we see that there was no genealogy of Melchizedek. Now we understand that Melchizedek was a real person. In Genesis chapter 14, uh, we see uh, in, in those verses there, and especially in verse number 18, I find it very interesting. Melchizedek brought the bread and the wine. Now, what does that remind you of? We just observed the Lord's Supper where we had the bread and the juice. What does that mean? Melchizedek gives a picture of the greater one who was to come. Jesus is bread of life. And we see that the wine, the juice, is a picture of the blood that he shed. See, Melchizedek did not shed blood for you or for me. Amen. Only Jesus could do that. But isn't it interesting that in Genesis 14, we see that Melchizedek brings that. I don't know about you, but the, the more you look in the Old Testament, and I, I'm getting more conscious of the fact uh, that when you get a better handle of the Old Testament, you see Jesus all in it. I mean, he just like blops up there in your face, kind of like that. And I'm going to have an opportunity uh, to meet with a rabbi there at the synagogue on a uh, West End. It's an orthodox. And I'm going to ask him that very question. I'm going to do it very politely. I'm going to do it nicely. But I'm going to ask him. I'm going to take him back to the priesthood and remind him here in Hebrews it talks about a better priesthood. And I'm going to show him. And I know he's going to have all the other answers. And I understand that. But I'm still going to take my shot. And I'm going to show. Can you not see and your Torah readings, how all of that was fulfilled in Jesus. Amen. The bread and the wine, Melchizedek brought that, but it helps us to understand he was showing us of the greater one to come. But then we go on and we see not only that about a genealogy. Now, understand, genealogy was very important to the Jewish people. It still is today. But we also see it's even more significant when you talk about the priesthood. 
Ezra, uh, it gives us a picture in Ezra. No need to turn to that. Uh, but in Ezra, we, we see it in uh, chapters uh, 2 through uh, 6, if I've uh, got this correctly, uh, that Ezra, uh, he uh, 2 through 6, uh, talks about the genealogy and the importance of it. But in Nehemiah chapter 7, uh, verse number 63 through verse number 65, I'm paraphrasing here, but we see that it talks about uh, and, and starts naming some names there uh, in Nehemiah. And it says that there was one coming out of a particular family uh, that was wanting to be a part of the priesthood, but they could not find the genealogy for them. And the Bible tells us then they were disqualified for that. Amen. Why? Because genealogy is very important. See, when you go back uh, here and Aaron, we understand that God called the, tri- the, Le- the Levites uh, that he, the tribe of Levite, they were the tribe that where the priest would come out of. And we see that Aaron was the first of those. But here's the comparison that he's giving. He says, now Aaron, we all know where Aaron came from. We can trace all of that. But we also know when Aaron died. But when Aaron died, then he got passed on. And we see it gets passed on and passed on. But then we see, and even today, when you talk uh, to uh, an Orthodox Jew, when you talk to them, they will tell you that it stopped. The priesthood has stopped. See, they no longer have a high priest. Why? Because it stopped. The priesthood stopped. But the priesthood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will never stop. It will never end. And we also see in Melchizedek, they do not know who his mother was. They do not know who their father is. And so some of them would have some problems with that. But when you talk about Jesus, we know who his mother was. By the way, uh, his mother was a virgin. Now, I wonder you say, we know that, Brother Mike. Come on. That's very important. It's very important what kind of translation you're reading out of. Because some translations do not use that word virgin. They use young maiden. My dear friend, that changes everything radically. She had to be a virgin. And the Bible prophesied back in the Old Testament, you see it, she had to be a virgin. It was she had to be a virgin, had to be a virgin. And so very important. And, I, and I'm not going to get into discussion of that. I, I liked King James, uh, but if you read a new King James, what I'm telling you, if you have a translation that changes the wording like that, then you might need to get another translation. Because if you take the virgin birth out of it, everything else crumbles. And so here we know exactly who his mother was. We know his genealogy. You can go and trace his family roots. And, but we also understand that his priesthood is still in business. Matter of fact, he's in business tonight. The Bible says that he's at the right hand of the Father interceding for each and every one of us. 
He is our mediator. That's what the priest would do. The priest would be the mediator between God and man. And aren't you glad tonight that you don't have to worry about tracing genealogy and all that. You can understand that the Lord Jesus, who is our great high priest, he still is operating tonight and he's interceding for us even now. So that we see uh, there was a, a principle involved. Now he talks about a tithe. Notice Abraham gave a tithe to Melchizedek. Uh, now, he did not have to do that, but he chose to do that. I've already made mention of that. He did that because of respect. But then we go on and start reading a little further, and it starts talking about the loins of Abraham. And it talks about uh, that there seems to be a problem. Now, in Hebrews chapter 2, verse number 16, it says Jesus was of the seed of Abraham. Well, wait a minute. Seems like we might have a problem here. How can he be the seed of Abraham because Jesus was before Abraham? Right? See, Jesus has always been. Now, I don't know about you, and I know I'm not the smartest guy in the world. And if you ever get your hands on that DVD that I have been, uh, uh, they said uh, uh, they're holding me hostage over that. I want you to know uh, that uh, I was out of my mind uh, when I did what I did there. I was delusional. I was not myself. Uh, uh, so and then everybody wants to have, we got to go see that thing. But, uh, but what, what we're saying is, is that Jesus has always been, and, and you'll see when I'm talking about that I'm not the smartest guy in the world, to do what I did there on that Thursday night, you will, you will rest to the fact that he did not know. He, why would he do something so stupid? Well, it's just because I'm stupid, okay? Boys and girls, you're not supposed to use that word. I'm sorry. But I have this figured out. He's always been. Now, I mean, you know, you start, well, how can that be? Because that's the way it is. Jesus has always been. So where's our problem here? Understand, oh, he did not come from a seed of a man. The, the Bible says, the, prophe the, the, the prophesying was that it would be the seed of a woman. Right? Well, the answer is, remember, Scripture always interprets Scripture. Okay, And so here's the interpretation, Hebrews 5, 7. And it says that when making reference to, he was talking about the days of his flesh. Remember, Jesus was all man and he's all God. Okay, But he had a human body. When he came, he put on flesh and bones and he walked around like a man. He had, uh, he had the body structure uh, as a man. He was all man, but yet he never, ever lost his deity. He's the God man. And that's the problem that many people have. See, there are people say that because we believe in, uh, in the Trinity, which is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, there are some say that we believe in three different gods. That's not so. We believe in one God, Jehovah God. 
And we believe the Godhead, which means that even though there were the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, they were all one. Now, Brother Mike, would you like to explain that a little further for me? I cannot explain that a little further than you because here's what we need to rest in fact. We just accept it by faith. Aren't you glad that you don't have to have an explanation for everything that you find in Scripture? God doesn't owe us an explanation on some things. See, here, here's where we're at. We're, we're human and we, we, got, we want to make sure we can see it in black and white. We got it all figured out and we know exactly what he was saying. But there's there some scriptures that we look at and we say, I really don't know how to explain that. It's okay. Listen, it's okay to say, I don't know how to explain this. I'm just accepting it by faith. And it could be, that's the reason why the Lord has not shown us enough so that we can go ahead and write it down and put our hands on that. Maybe he knew that, I know he knew that, that we needed to have something that we could not explain that we just accept by faith. And the Trinity is one of them. But also, we see here in Melchizedek, we can't find anything else on Melchizedek. But yet he's very prominent because he gives us a picture of a greater priest the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, as I was looking and and, and reading through all that, I also understand uh, that uh, the writer of Hebrews here, he gives us three arguments. When I'm saying arguments, I'm not saying that he's trying to argue the point. Arguments is that he's giving uh, proof. And now what's he trying to give proof? He's trying to give proof that Jesus is just better. Remember, Judaizers were coming in. Some of them were wanting to bring the law back into the picture. There was other philosophies out there and all kinds of things that were trying to creep into the church. By the way, that is still happening today. I'm I'm telling you, and pastor can agree with me on that. There are some churches that will let just about anything come in just as long as they say, well, it's of God. Everything that comes into the church is not of God. Matter of fact, that's where Satan wants to do the most damage he can by bringing false doctrine into the church. Now, some people say, well, uh, you know, I I went to a church and, you know, we would have uh, testimony time. I don't know why we don't do testimony time. Well, we don't do testimony time because some of the testimonies do more damage to the cause of Christ than helping the cause of Christ. Because that old bird will get up and he'll say, well, the Lord bless me, and you know, going like that. And then you'll see him the next morning down there at the liquor store at 9 o'clock in the morning. We got to be careful. And that's and some people have problems with that. But we got to have we got to have a filter because I'm telling you, if false doctrine starts to get into the church, it will destroy a church. And I'm grateful that I'm a member of a church where we're standing on the book and we're going to scrutinize and we're going to do what Scripture says, test the spirits. Test the spirits. And if it doesn't match up with the book, then we don't need any part of that. 
That's what's exactly what was happening here. And so now the writer of Hebrews is trying to prove that Jesus is just greater. You don't need the law to mix in. You just need Jesus. By the way, that's still a pretty good doctrine to stand on that we just need Jesus, right? And so he goes and here in these verses 1 through 10, he's given a historical argument. When you go uh, starting in verse uh, number 11, uh, you will see he gives a doctrinal argument and then he winds this chapter, chapter 7 of where he gives a practical argument of why Jesus is the better priesthood. Now, I've made mention that I'm going to go and going to a, a Sabbath. So I've talked to Rabbi Saul, which kind of worries me because uh, the last Saul that I read about <laughs> didn't pan out too well. But, but Rabbi Saul, and uh, he, he is an Orthodox Jew. Okay? I've already told him what I was. And he still said, you're more than welcome to come. And said, well, Brother Mike, why do you want to even bother with that? I want to get uh, this uh, learning experience So, because I, I want to see how they do things. And I'm going to say, you know what? That just gives me more evidence that Jesus is just better. That's the reason why we got to be very careful of who we mix and mingle with. We got to be very protective of who we're hanging out with. I'm not saying you can't have friends that, you know, maybe don't uh, quite believe like we do, but we got to be very careful with that. See, here's the word the lost world thinks just as long as you mention God in it, you're good. I'm going to. I wasn't going to do this, but I'm going to go ahead and do it anyway. I did a ceremony today. If you're here from that ceremony, I'm not talking about you. And uh, I canceled this little couple and one like that. And so we get up to where we're going. And uh, I started looking around. I'm thinking, oh, I wasn't quite expecting this. And. Um, needless to say, it was uh, something that if I knew firsthand, I probably would have not agreed to. Now, I'm not saying that it was lewd, or I'm not saying that, but it was just some things that just wasn't mixing. Was supposed to start it, didn't start on time, so I'm getting nervous because I knew I had a time frame here. And uh, I had already, uh, already determined I was fixing to do a little preaching before we went into the ceremony. I had my mind made up. I said, what are they going to do? Get rid of me? Fire me? So I'm up there in time. Well, but I still, I still talked about the glory of the Lord and talked about, and, but there was just some things uh, that, uh, that just didn't match. See, see, your walk really needs to match your talk. Okay. And, and some things were just weren't adding up. And I'll just be honest with you, I was getting quite upset about this. But then I thought, you know what? Lord, I can use this for your glory. I can use that for his glory. Many of you, some of you are off tomorrow, but many of you go to workplaces where the walk and talk is not matching. And they say they love the Lord, but yet they'll cuss 
like a, a, I mean, you know, just cuss and talk about getting drunk over the weekend and all that kind of stuff like that. But uh, have you ever thought, and, and Pastor alluded to this, have you ever thought that God allowed you to be in that place so you could let your light shine for Jesus? But we still have to be careful, don't we? And that's exactly what the writer of Hebrews is doing. He was trying to do all he could do to say, you don't need the law you don't need this. You just need the Lord Jesus. And he was preaching grace, grace, grace. He says it's not works. I thought about this. And we're fixing to land here. I thought about this. I thought about that as we go through our journey, and I'm getting older and, and my perspective on things are starting to change a little bit more. And, and, and I'm, I'm starting to look at, you know, how, God, how, what, how do you want to use me? And uh, will you put me in positions to where I can be used? And, you know, and, and, and I'm, uh, I have many times isolated myself. Some of you have done the same thing. Now, we've got to be very careful about isolating ourselves. Jesus says that he's left us not to be of the world, but he's left us in the world. What good would it do if we just go ahead and, you know, it's just us. And we don't go and we don't associate with all the other things that are out there. And we don't do that. He didn't call us to do that, but he did call us to have a distinctness about us. And see, here's the problem that the church has come into. We've gotten so much of the world that now there's no distinction between the two. When we start to preach about sin and, and preach about sin and, and, and talking about getting right with God, see, that doesn't set well. But I'm thinking, who in their right mind, why would you expect something different? We're supposed to be different. We're, we're supposed to be a wholly separated people. Not that we're isolating ourselves, but when we're going and we're rubbing elbows with people, our light ought to be shining so bright that they see there's something different about us. And when we talk about Jesus, and Jesus is the only way, which I know is not politically correct, but it is, it is biblically correct. Jesus is the only way. And we shouldn't water it down. We shouldn't skirt the issue like Joel Osteen has. Oh, I, I'm sorry. I called people up by name. Paul did it. Pastor does it. So I figure it's good enough for me to do it sometimes. <laughs> Folks, look. I saw it. He had a wonderful opportunity to nail it down that Jesus Christ is the only way and here's how you come to know Jesus Christ is your personal Lord and Savior and then do it. But he's not the only one. I can take you to churches. I, I, have, I know firsthand they water their message down because they don't want to run their crowds off. And the Bible is quite clear. There ought to be a difference. Amen. Jesus Christ is just greater. He's greater than Muhammad. Amen. 
We shouldn't cower down to that. Now, we can be nice about it. We can be as kind as we can. But we need to stand our ground on this because Jesus Christ is the only way unto salvation. There's not a plan B in this thing. And that's exactly what the writer of Hebrews was trying to get through. We're not uh, understanding. It's not of works. You cannot work your way into salvation. But there are many who teach that as a doctrine. Oh, you ain't got baptized, you must not be saved. That's wrong. It's wrong. Oh, oh, have you gotten your second blessing? Oh, I didn't know. What are we, oh, hey, you gotten baptized by the Spirit. The Bible doesn't teach that. But we're afraid to go ahead and ruffle feathers because we don't want to lose friendships or whatever the case may be. Now here again, go with the right attitude. Do it in love. That Jesus, Jesus didn't cower down from that. Jesus took a stand on some radical things in His time. But He did it with the right spirit and the right attitude. But He still got crucified. So don't, don't think that you're not going to have persecution and don't think you're going to go ahead and get ostracized and don't think that you're going to be talked about in the office when you walk and says, there's that self-righteous, there's that goody t-shoes and all that other mess that they throw out at you. Listen, when you stand on, on the truth, you don't have to apologize for it. And we need to say, Jesus, Jesus only. Jesus is the only one that can take your sins and cover your sins and remove your sins. Jesus is the only one that can give you eternal life. Jesus is the only one that can give you abundant life. He's just the greater priesthood. And so... As we will go through the rest of chapter 7, we'll see where he gives doctrinal and practical arguments with that. But uh, one of the things, and, and I, I'm, I promise I, I'm going, we're going to land. <clears throat> I, I, I guess maybe the Lord has just really been convicting me, but I've been doing more studying in the Old Testament. That's the reason why I'm going to meet with a rabbi. Because I want, I, want I want that information because it's just going to help me, not that I have to defend Jesus, but it's going to help me to show very clearly how everything that they... Here, here's kind of bogs the mind, is that if you look at the Scriptures, and you, you can't help but see it's all pointing to Jesus. It's all pointing to Jesus. The Old Testament points back to Jesus. This book, the Bible, is all about Jesus. He's just greater. Aren't you glad tonight that you have a promise from the one who is the greater? That he'll not leave nor forsake you. That he will be with you during trials and tribulations. Aren't you glad that you have Jesus that when you lay your head down at night, you can pray a prayer. Lord, give me a good night's rest. But if I don't wake in the morning, I'm praising your name. 
because I know where I'm going to be. I've done a number of funerals. It's very difficult to stand before a congregation to the one who's laid out before you that did not have a testimony. It's hard to bring comfort to somebody like that. But aren't you glad that when they lay you out, whoever preaches your service will be able to say, because of the testimony of this one, we know we have that blessed hope that one day we'll see him again.